participated with your singing. Well, welcome back uh, to Unigirl Baptist Church. It's good to see some of you that have been on the road. And uh, believe it or not, I, and, and you say, Brother Rich, do you know who's here and who's not here? Yes. <laughs> because I, I, scan, I scan through and it's like, uh, so it's like I, I counted five families that I know are, are uh, traveling this weekend. And it's like, uh, you know, when we all get back here and everybody's back, uh, we're going we're gonna to pack this place out. So it's great. So God bless you. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, it, it just means uh, the world to see you. And uh, I do know your faces, and uh, I've got about 90-some percent of the names down, which is, again, uh, where's that clipboard's at? There should be two of them circling. There's one. All right, keep them going. And there should be one more going around. Now, if you didn't, if you're, you're like, I didn't know the dates, I wasn't sure, we're going to have the boards in the back again. If they're not completely filled up, uh, please sign up. It's uh, it, it truly is. It's one of the most important things, believe it or not, that we do, uh, or I do, and Valerie does as a pastor here, is getting to know you, and that's the best way we can do it. We sit down for a couple hours. Uh, have some good fellowship, spelled F-O-O-D, and uh, have a good time chatting together. So good to see you. I heard the men's conference yesterday at Camp Farron was great. Thanks, Tony, for organizing that. Uh, he just, good time, so uh, good report. Well, this morning uh, we're going to go into Philippians chapter 1. Now, as most of you are more than aware, uh, we spend a great deal of time here going through prophetic passages, which is uh, two, one-third of your entire Bible. But on occasion, uh, the pastor is thinking, he's watching, uh, seeing what's going on, and uh, it's like sometimes we have to break from a pattern for at least a bit uh, to meet the needs of the people. So we're going to break from uh, Revelation for about a month or so. We're going to go into the book of Philippians. And uh, uh, I love prophecy. I mean, there's great things that are important. So we're going to keep our Prophecy Global update on Wednesday nights. So if you've not been coming on Wednesday night and you want some good prophecy, we're doing current events and Bible prophecy on Wednesday night. And uh, we'll get back to Revelation. Uh, I believe we're in chapter 12. We'll start that again in several weeks from now. But there's a time when uh, we just need to get back to some of the basics, back to some of the things that God has given to us, remind us of how we should be walking in our daily lives. Not that there's, and by the way, let me say this, I don't know many issues within our church family, but uh, when you spend a lot of time in one particular area, it's like maybe we should deviate off that for a little bit and get back to some very basic practical things, which uh, the book of Philippians does. So, uh, uh, and especially with today being, if you will, our welcome back time, if you will, kicking off the last quarter of 2021. Folks, this is the most important time, if you will, September through uh, uh, actually March when we get back into folks starting to move around again and a lot more vacations. This is the time, uh, winter time especially, when, believe it or not, this is when the biggest growth happens within our church because people are around, they're working, they're centered on what uh, Christ has for your life and you're with people and you're not thinking about vacations and moving here and there and wherever and it's a very critical time. So first of all I want to say welcome back and I'm glad to see you because you are 
Union Grove Baptist Church. And uh, it, I, I love to see you every single Sunday, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But uh, we're going to talk about apprehending spiritual joy and maturity. That'll be the theme of the next month or so as we uh, spend some time in the book of Philippians. Very practical, very helpful, and I trust you'll be encouraged by it and excited. Uh, so let's go to Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read about eight verses, and then we'll get into the message this morning. Bible says through the uh, Apostle Paul, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. Very familiar way Paul opens many of his epistles to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I thank my God Paul saying to the church, upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he, Jesus Christ, who has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about that. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all. Must have been a southern uh, guy with the affection of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful, tender, loving, pastoral passage that even though Paul was separated, he was in Rome, way away from uh, Philippi, which we'll talk about in a few moments. He was separated from these dear folks. He had started the church in Philippi. And, of course, he was a missionary. He would go place to place to place, start churches all across uh, the known world at that time. And now he's in Rome. He's been arrested for preaching the gospel. And he's writing to his beloved friends, his beloved church, the folks that he in all likelihood won most of them to the Lord. And he's saying, I sure miss you folks. I'm so glad when when I think about you and I, I just think about all the wonderful things you've done. And we're going to look at that this morning as we look at uh, uh, from a pastor's heart and from God's heart, how much he cares for me, how much he cares for you. Good to see you back. <laughs> Father, I pray now that as we look into this very, very precious passage that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, there's many here that are burdened. There's many that are suffering from extreme illness, many watching on the Internet today, many of our dear senior citizens that can't get out of their homes, but they need to know that they're loved and cared for. There's other folks that are going through horrific issues at work, some that uh, might have uh, uh, just gone through terrible times. And Father, I pray uh, uh, for all of us this morning, Lord, that the love that you showed and the love that you've given to us that you showed through the Apostle Paul for the church at Philippi, I pray that you'd unite us closer and closer together. I pray, Father, as a church family, that we would, as we'll do in just a few moments, that we'll gather together, we'll eat together, we'll break bread together, we'll fellowship together. We'll weep with those who are going through tough times. We'll rejoice with those who are having victories. 
And Father, I pray that you'd help every single one of us to walk with you. Dear God, I pray that we would indeed apprehend spiritual joy as we mature in our walk with you. So Father, we commit all this to you. Thank you for what you're going to do this morning in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So now the first eight verses, which is all we'll cover this morning, we're looking at this topic. You, speaking of every single one of you, are uniquely needed. You see, Union Grove Baptist Church or any other church for that matter does not exist without people in it. Every single one of you is important to God, and you're important to this particular body of believers. You say, well, Brother Rich, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what I do here. I'm not sure if I have a part yet. I'm not sure, and, and that sometimes takes a little time for some people to figure out where exactly God wants you. But let me say this. Every time you walk through the doors, every time you say hi to someone, every time you greet someone, every time uh, you smile at someone or shake their hand, you're needed. And God has many different gifted individuals here. Every single one of you, by the way, has at least one spiritual gift, whether it's teaching, administrating, showing mercy to others, servanthood, so many different things that God uses every single one of you. You are uniquely needed. And God has a place for every single one of you in this particular church body, and that's why you're here, and that's why you're important. And that's why, as the pastor, I say, you know, and it it gets some people here, and it's just like, "Ah, I don't know, that just sounds like verbiage. It sounds like rhetoric. And I'll say, I love you, folks. And you're like, well, what what does that mean? Well, folks, what it means is... uh, I do anything I can. If, if you let, sometimes you don't let me know. It's hard to help you if I don't know about it. But if you let me know, I think you found I've been pretty responsive, and I'm, I'm, I'll try to be there for you. We'll try to do that. But it's not just me. It's the whole church family. It's our deacons. It's our teachers. It's it's every single person that uh, uh, smiles and shakes a hand. All the love that God shows. Well, let's go through the passage this morning. Today, we are uh, going to celebrate as a church family our coming back together after the summer travels. And uh, now we've got the other folks traveling for different things, but it's so good to see you this morning. Today, we challenge each other in our walk with God as we serve the Lord in ministry. Every single thing that we do should be as, as God's people focused around serving the Lord. You say, well, Brother Rich, you mean 24 hours, 7 days a week, 365 days of church serving God here? No, absolutely not. You see, the church is simply uh, uh, the, uh, the time that we get together a couple hours a week, and uh, uh, we get encouraged by each other, and if you will, we get in the locker room and we get a, a, a little incentive from the coach or the teachers and so forth, and we, we enjoy each other, but then, then we go do the work. Uh, there's some work that takes place here, but 90% of the work takes place once we walk outside of the, uh, the church walls. And God has called all of us as his people to be ministering for him. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, we're out there telling folks about Christ. We're inviting them to church. We're showing kindness and love as we tell them uh, about the Lord. It's all about serving the Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Today we call out the exciting plans to disciple believers and reach out to others for the last quarter of 2021. And I'll be laying out certain things uh, about halfway through our message this morning. So what are we going to do? We're going to examine uh, three biblical truths regarding our fellowship in the gospel of 
Jesus Christ. First thing, and uh, you should have an outline in your bulletin if you want to follow along or take notes, the messengers are identified. So we start out the, uh, the epistle of Philippians, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. Now, we've gone through this before as we've gone through other Pauline epistles. And what is he talking about here? The bond servants or the doulos, if you will, from the Greek language. What does that mean? Well, if you take your Bibles, I didn't put this on the screen, go to Exodus, Exodus chapter 21. And I want to show you what I'm going to illustrate. Well, I'm not going to really illustrate it because it would be very painful. But uh, we're going to talk about what a bondservant is. Exodus chapter 21. So I'm making you turn your pages this morning. So what we're talking about here is a willing slave. And let's look at Exodus 21. We'll just read the first six verses. Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years. And in the seventh year, he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. Obviously, this was a time of slavery that existed back in Old Testament times, and God is laying down the law, if you will, on this issue. But here's, here's what a bond servant is, verse 5, Exodus 21. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door, to the doorpost. And his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. In other words, here's what, what, what Paul's saying. He's like, I'm a bondservant. I'm a willing slave to Jesus Christ. And here's what he's saying, uh, exactly what would happen to, if someone was in that condition, if you will, when they were literally slaves back in the Old Testament. The master would, uh, uh, the person would come up and say, I don't want to leave you. I love you. I care for you. He didn't care he was a slave because he was treated well. And they literally would take their ear, they'd go to the doorpost, they'd take it all, bam, they'd they'd, uh, pierce their ear in a big way uh, to that doorpost. And that was the way, it was an identifying mark that that person said, I am 100% committed to my master. And, and what, is, what are they saying here? Paul and Timothy, we're bond servants. We have willingly said, we will serve you, dear Lord. We don't care what the cost. We don't care how tough it gets. I want to be yours. We want to love you. A slave, one who is a permanent relation of servitude to another, his will being altogether consumed in the will of the other. Metaphorically spoken of voluntary service, a servant implying obedience Devotion. Folks, are you a bondservant? Like, wow, that's a big commitment. It is. It's a huge commitment. It's a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day commitment. The bondservant doesn't say, well, you know, I'm, I served you. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take off. I'm going to leave the, uh, my place where my master is. I'm going to go somewhere else for a month, a year. You can't do that. Once you commit yourself to the master... You're committed. <laughs> Are you a bondservant? Are you a willing bondservant like the Apostle Paul and Timothy were? Well, it's who's the recipients that are receiving this letter from Paul. 
to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Now, I want to spend a moment there because the word saints is often confused, especially in our uh, liturgical churches, if you will, the mainline denominational churches, have taken away uh, uh, many times the true meaning of what a saint is. So if you'll, you go to uh, the Internet and you query, you know, saints of Christendom, you'll come up with uh, uh, what we will call the church fathers, famous people that uh, uh, we might know from various religions and denominations, but it only lists a handful of people. And that's not what a saint is. They may have been saints. They may have been believers in Christ. They may have given their lives to him. But every single person here who's placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ is a saint of God. The word from the Greek language is hagias. So what does that mean? It simply means this. It doesn't mean someone who has been uh, declared uh, a saint by a church or by a denomination. What the Bible is stating is that a saint is one who is literally chaste. They're pure. If you will, they're set apart, they're sanctified. The fundamental idea is separation, consecration, devotion to the service of deity, sharing in God's purity and abstaining from earth's defilement, metaphorically referring to morally pure, upright, blameless in heart and life, virtuous, holy, those who are to be in any way included in the Christian community. So what's God saying here? He looks out at, at God's people and he says, you're a saint. You're, you're, you, what by definition doesn't mean, it means you're a called out one. It means you've been separated for living a holy life and for serving God. And you say, well, Brother Rich, that, that sounds like uh, I'm committing myself to full-time ministry. No, you already are in full-time ministry, by the way. Every single day, every single part of your life is full-time ministry. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. You don't have to be a wanna worker. Every single one of us who's trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior is a saint. We're called out. We're to be holy. We're to serve him. Does that mean you can't have fun and cut up? No. Does that mean when we come to deacon's meeting, we sit there and go, holy, 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 there's the Lord God Almighty, merciful? No. We do that parts, maybe part of the time when we have devotions, but then we cut up and have a good time too. I'm guessing at uh, Camp Fairwood that it was not 100% sitting around the Bible and, and studying, which is a great thing to do, by the way. But uh, from what I heard, there was some fun. There was uh, some shooting going on down in the woods and uh, just having a good time cutting up and enjoying each other. I, my wife was up here, God bless her, uh, uh, several weeks, and uh, she puts on her fiesta hat, and, and we have a little fun with that, and we should have fun. But every single thing, no matter how our fun is, no matter how our recreation is, even though we have fun, everything should be centered around the Lord Jesus Christ, serving him, helping people, enjoying people. And we are saints. Every single one of you, if you've trusted Christ, is a saint. Well, then we go to the leadership that's identified in the church of Philippi. He says, with the bishops and deacons. So what are we talking about here? So the bishops, uh, and you've heard the word many times. Uh, you heard of the Episcopalian church and so forth. So you're familiar with the word uh, uh, Episcopalian. But the actual word here is episkopos, which basically is referring to, in all simplicity, pastors. Uh, those who have, if you will, that uh, are, are watchmen. They are superintendents. 
attendants. They are overseers. So what God is saying through the Apostle Paul, he's getting the attention of, if you will, the pastors, the bishops, uh, the overseers, the officials in the local churches. Now, if you look at point three on the screen, the bishop, the episcopos, is basically synonymous with elders. Uh, we have multiple individuals at Union Grove Baptist Church that I would consider elders, and it's not because of their age. It's because of their calling. We have multiple individuals here, and you've heard many of them. Uh, not, well, we've got like five for sure that I know of that are fit into that elder category. They preach uh, uh, up here. They teach on a, con on a continual basis, and God's given a giftedness to preach and to teach the Word of God. So those would all be, I would consider, part of, if you will, those who are elders within our church. Even though in a Baptist church we don't call uh, individuals that have that position, if you will, elders. Some other churches do, some Bible churches and others that uh, we have similar doctrinal statements with, they'll have an elder board. Uh, but in a Baptist polity, if you will, that's, that's not done. Uh, but they're there, and they're identified, and they're identified by what they do. Elders, presbyteros, uh, uh, are, by the way, another word that you're familiar with, Presbyterian, are two names for the same official, which implies that the official function of episcopacy or eldership existed from New Testament times. And again, we're not talking about the denomination. We're talking about a position within the church. He also talks about the deacons. Now, we do have deacons. We have 11 wonderful, godly deacons in Union Grove Baptist Church. These are individuals, by the way, if you go through the qualifications in the Pauline epistles, a deacon has the same qualifications as the pastor. You say, seriously? Seriously. The qualifications are strict. That means any single person that is a deacon, and by the way, we'll have uh, probably at least one or two openings for deacons coming up. They'll be presented to the church, and uh, you'll vote on them, and you'll vote on them based on uh, their qualifications and so forth. Um, I'm sure the, the men that will be set before you will be good godly men, but that's, that's part of the, the vetting process that uh, uh, we use to make sure these are individuals that are truly called of God to this particular service. What is a, a deacon? It's a minister, a servant. What does it literally mean? It means in the dust laboring or running through dust. In other words, what do deacons do? They're called to a ministry. It's a tough ministry. It's getting dirty, if you will, getting down in the trenches, getting the work done that God needs done. The deacons help or serve the pastor. That's just the, uh, you go to Acts and so forth, it just comes out pure. The care of the churches fell upon the deacons as the helpers of the elders who held distinct offices. So the deacons, they have a servant's heart. They give themselves. And, I, and, I, and I've said this so many times. I love our deacons. I wrote them all a, a little note yesterday just reminding them of some of the things we have going today. The first thing I did uh, when I addressed them is, hey guys, what a great deacons meeting. Justin came up here, talked about the same thing. Eleven guys that get along, love each other, pray together, do a little Bible together, then get down and get bit, get get in the trenches, get dirty. 
a lot of the things you see happening uh, electronically and building-wise and fix-ups and so forth, uh, the deacons will be here sometimes when nobody else is, and, uh, and a lot of you do things like that as well, but they, they just serve, and God's calling them to do that. By the way, let me say this. There's so many people here that show up during the week and, and all through the last year and a half, and you, you kick in and you do things, and uh, so many of the things that have been uh, cleaned and fixed up uh, around the facility, it's all part of, of what we do. We got a nice, cool building today. Why? Because somebody took care of the air conditioning. Now, you folks supplied the funds for it for sure, and we're thankful for that. There's so many things that are done. All the folks that are working down in the kitchen today, all the different things that happen are all part of what the deacons and others have done, and many of you as well have participated. Well, let's get down to the spiritual aspects now. The sincere blessing is stated, and here we go. He starts out with, as Paul often does, as he's writing to his dear church, grace and peace to you, grace and peace. Now, Tabitha, my oldest daughter, she'll often uh, remind me about Cara. Is Cara in junior church or is she here? There you are. Uh, her name is Cara, which is actually the Greek word for joy. And they call her joy baby. And uh, that's, that's a sweet thing. But it, it's joy. It's joyous. And God says, uh, uh, grace to you. It's, it's a gracious, joyous gift that I bestow or that I want you to enjoy. Grace was uh, particularly that which causes joy, pleasure, gratification, favor, acceptance for a kindness granted or desired, a benefit. It's a thanks. It's a gratitude. It's, it's grace. It's what we talk about every single Sunday when we talk about the free gift that God has given to us, the grace of God. Uh, salvation is through grace alone, God's free and merited gift because he loves you, and it brings joy to God's heart. Isn't that good? It's, it's grace. And by the way, from a practical standpoint, showing grace to others is so important. You know what the toughest thing in, in, in the world is for everybody, Christian and non-Christian alike? It's, it's grace, showing grace to others. I was talking to someone, I can't remember who it was, and, uh, uh, yesterday, and uh, it's like, you know, we love to think about the negative. And we like to get hard on people. And we like to be judgmental. And that's our nature. We like to be harsh. And it's like, well, you need to. And God says, would you show them some grace? Would you show them some love? Yes, we need to hold folks accountable. Yes, we need to have standards. But you've got to show love to folks and grace. And I'm so thankful that's what's done here. It's a favor done without expectation of return. The absolutely free expression of the loving kindness of God. In other words, as we say uh, continually, God's grace is for every single person that will receive the free gift. It's a free gift. It's grace. It's unmerited. We don't deserve it. And we have, uh, we'll get mad at somebody. It's like, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe what they've done to me. I can't. And God says, would you show them some grace? Would you show them some love? Yeah, we all make mistakes. We all do things we wish we wouldn't do. And God says, would you just show them some grace? Maybe uh, uh, something's going bad in their family. Maybe they just got uh, a bad word from work, and maybe they lost their job this week. Maybe uh, uh, they're going through severe pain. Maybe their mom or dad is, is getting ready to pass away, and their hearts are broken, and, and, and they're feeling the, the pain and the anxiety uh, of life. And God says, would you please just show them some grace? Would you love on them? Uh, would you just let it go and uh, uh, show them some love? And God says, grace to you. He says, also, he says, peace to you. Folks, every single one of us wants peace. 
We don't like living in, 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 in a world that is disrupted. We don't like a, a family that's disrupted. We don't like jobs or school that are disrupted. We want peace. And God says, I have a peace for you. It's a peace. Uh, it's literally, if you will, from a, uh, a civil sense, the opposite of war and dissension. There's peace. Okay, that's the simplicity of that. But among individuals, what are we talking about? It's peace. It's harmony. It's health. It's welfare. It's prosperity. Every kind of good. Uh, and I love it from the, the, the Jewish uh, uh, folks every time and, and those who uh, uh, love the Jewish people and like to, they, every, every, everybody that deals with Jewish people, they know one word, shalom, right? Uh, you come up to a Jewish friend and you say, shalom. And what does it mean? It means peace to you. And uh, all my Jewish friends and so forth, they, they always, I mean, they, they don't speak any other Hebrew words, just shalom. That's it. That's all I need to know, peace to you. And uh, we all feel Jewish then. And uh, <laughs> But peace is a blessing of which God alone is the author. You can't have peace anywhere except from God. Well, who also do we know? He says it's from uh, uh, God our Father. God our Father. My daddy, Abba. Father, no disrespect meant. When Jesus said, Abba, Father, he was saying, my heavenly daddy, <laughs> my daddy whom I love, and I, I just, I love you, Dad. He says, is that disrespectful? No, that's exactly what the word means. My heavenly daddy. And God's your father this morning. Isn't that good? I mean, uh, uh, you can be 80, 90 years old, Lyman, and uh, uh, God, says you, God says, I'm still your daddy. At 93 or, uh, years old, he's still got a daddy, and that's good. I got a daddy, and so do every single one of you who have trusted Christ. We got a heavenly daddy that literally cares about us. You see, well, my, heavenly, my, my earthly father wasn't so good, and he was mean, and he was coarse, and he was rough. And God says, but I love you. And uh, maybe you had a bad experience with your earthly father, but God's the best father you can ever have. And Paul says, this is from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says, uh, I haven't seen you folks in a long time. I came to your town, and uh, we started a church, and many folks came to Jesus Christ, and I think about all the wonderful things that happened while I was there. And he says, I, I remember, he says, I remember when I was in jail in Philippi. We'll talk about that for the folks getting baptized today. By the way, those that need to get baptized, get in that office, please, after, uh, uh, during Sunday school, we'll tell you about that. There's folks here, maybe been saved years, maybe got saved recently, and uh, God asked you to get baptized. And Paul, Paul says to uh, uh, the, uh, the Philippians, he's like, I, I remember back in, uh, when I was at Philippi and I was preaching the gospel, and me and Silas, we got thrown in jail. In Acts 16, he talks about it. And, and he's like, uh, we were singing and we were uh, chained up. And all of a sudden, my chains fell off, and the doors broke open. And then the jailer, he was scared to death. The Roman soldier, he thought he was going to be killed because we were going to escape. And Paul says, I remember right there in Philippi, I said, oh, it's okay. Uh, we're not going to go anywhere. And he tells uh, the Philippian jailer the gospel, and the, and the jailer invites him to his home. And they go to his home, and uh, him and his whole family trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And immediately thereafter, they were all what? They're all baptized. Why? Uh, it was a, an outward showing of their inner faith. And that's why we baptize folks, because it's an outward showing. I've trusted Jesus. And Paul said, I know he was thinking about his experience in Philippi, and, and he's rejoicing in what took place there and the folks that came to Christ. Folks, we like to say this is the church. 
God's love is building. And folks, how's it built? It's built through every single one of us loving each other. It's built through every single one of us as God's people going out and sharing the gospel. It's You know how folks, uh, why people leave churches? We've talked about that. People leave churches because they don't feel loved. They don't feel cared for. They don't feel valued. They feel like they're getting pushed down. And that's not what God intended for a church. The church is not here to beat on people. It's here to love folks and care for them. And when somebody goes through a tough time or when somebody uh, uh, makes a horrible mistake, maybe goes into some deep sin, you say, well, then we should uh, kick them out of the church and never see them again and make them suffer. I don't read that in my Bible. My Bible says, listen, um, when you make a mistake and they're willing to repent and get right with God, you bring them in and you love on them and you care for them. You don't beat up folks. You love on folks. The world will beat you up enough. Amen? (laughs) I mean, it's there. It's going to sit on you. It's going to hurt you. The church, God's love is building. Paul says, every prayer of mine, I make request for you all with joy. I love the people of God, and I pray for you. Every single time I pray, I say, oh, Lord, I think about that church in in Philippi, the, the dear folks there, the dear Christians, and I long in my heart to see them. I love them, and I'll keep praying for them and asking God's blessing. We're going to talk about that in a few seconds. I pray with joy. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus said, that my joy, Jesus' joy, may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Galatians tells us that uh, part of the fruit of the Spirit is to have joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. If you're walking with God, if you're living with Him, joy will be a natural part of your life with all the other pieces, if you will, of the fruit singular of the Spirit. James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. God says, listen, uh, when you go through tough times, look up to Jesus and say thank you. When, when the times are good, look up and say thank you. Have joy. And God says, listen, we need to put joy on our face. Put joy on our face. Smile. Life is good. Well, what else does he say? Paul's tireless fellowship. He says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, what's fellowship? Many of you know the word, the Greek word koinonia. It's used in many different fellowships and churches. It's to share and to fellowship with, to participate with each other, to have, if you will, communion together, fellowship. And God's saying we have a fellowship in the gospel. Union Grove Baptist Church is a fellowship in the gospel. It's to get the gospel out. It's to encourage us with what's coming. We know what is going on in our lives today, and we need to constantly be reminded about what's coming. You say, why do you like prophecy? Because when many times we think of prophecy, we think of the eschatological truths in the Word of God about the tribulation, the millennium, and all those things. And here's eschatology for you. There's a heaven. That's eschatology, folks. That's future. And God says, remind each other that uh, no matter what's going on today, uh, that heaven awaits for us. And we look for the glorious appearing of, of Jesus Christ to take us to heaven, and he's like, keep reminding yourselves that. Keep having fellowship in the gospel. Keep telling folks about Christ. Let's keep working to fill heaven up, if you will. Well, let's go through our plans very quickly. Awana for 21-22. I've talked to Tony and others uh, that are involved in the Awana program, and uh, uh, we started out with a wonderful, wonderful start. 
we're about 20 plus individuals over last year, which means you guys are working. You're bringing visitors. Uh, so keep it up. So we have our WANA program, which disciples our young people. It also presents the gospel. So keep it going. Uh, we have a WANA every single Wednesday night. It's a very important arm of the church. Sunday school is not just uh, it's to reach out and to disciple our young people that are here and our adults. We have, uh, and we have brochures in the back. We have classes for every single age group all the way up uh, from baby all the way up through our senior citizens. There are classes here. What does it do? It helps disciple us. It gives us Bible studies and also allows us to reach out and bring more folks here to hear those things. Our Sunday services, as uh, we spend a great deal of time in doctrine, uh, but right now I believe it's necessary some in increased practical application, which we'll be doing in our Philippians series. And as always, we need to, every single day of our life, think about who can I reach for Christ? Who can I call? You're like, well, my job, I'm not out in the public, if you will. Well, get on the phone, invite folks, go to your neighbors. Let's reach out to our community and keep evangelizing. Harvest gathering this year, October 24th. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, Jr., Dr. DeYoung was going to be here. He's my good friend and mentor, as you well know. And uh, he passed away uh, several weeks ago. Young man that you see up there, who's not, he's in his uh, 50s, I believe, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, Jr. I've been to Israel with him. He's a great man of God. He actually is taking over his dad's ministry now, so he's out there serving the Lord and uh, picking up. So uh, I, I talked to him. Shortly after his dad's death, I had my arm around him and at the funeral, and he started to cough horrifically bad. By the way, that's over four weeks ago, so don't get nervous. I called him. He wasn't answering, so I texted him and said, Hey, man, you know, I don't know if you're ready yet, but I'd love you to come in October. He texted me back a couple of words. I'm in, I'm in the hospital. I was like, oh boy, he almost died, came this close to death. We prayed for him and prayed and prayed and prayed, and God had mercy on him and on me (laughs) by saving my dear friend's life. He's back up, he's running, and uh, God did him, I mean, uh, he just turned around like almost overnight, and God healed him, and uh, uh, he's back. So uh, Dr. Jimmy will be here. And uh, you'll love them. Uh, it'll be a great time. So we're going to have a Sunday morning, October 24th. That'll be our big day of the year. Uh, so let's get ready for that. We'll be doing a lot of advertising and things, but i got to hasten here. Uh, dine with the pastor. Those sign-up sheets, those are critical. I need to know you. You say, why do I need to know you, pastor? Because you do. You just do. Just just accept it. Uh, you come on down. You come here and uh, let me feed you. Let me spend some time with, uh, with you. Let me learn your names. Uh, we got a beautiful dinette set over there, which I'll tell you about how we got that and all the good things there. Where's Gail? I saw Gail there. She was instrumental in getting that for us. Here's a big one. Paul said, every time I pray, I think about you, and it's like it's time for prayer meeting again, folks. Country's country's going down. We don't want the church ever to lose momentum, and the only way we can keep momentum is by spending time with the Lord. Friday, October 1st, not that far away, we're going to have a 14 hours of prayer, 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. We'll meet uh, over in the overflow. So uh, you can come for 10 minutes, come for an hour, come for 14 hours. You can stay all day and all night if you so wish. But uh, 14 hours directed prayer, I want everybody to come that can. 
Even if it's only for a few minutes, you show up, let's pray. Let's ask God to bless Union Grove Baptist Church. Let's ask him to uh, bless our community. Let's ask him to uh, help us be uh, the messengers that we need to be and have his uh, endowment with power uh, uh, here at Union Grove. So 6 a.m. it'll be out. We'll put it in the bulletin. I think it may be in there already. Uh, 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. Friday, October 1st. Please um, uh, think about that and commit at least a section of time. We're starting early enough that those that go to work uh, later can be there. We've got it late enough, I think, that uh, we can get 99% of folks in. And we'd love you to be here for that. We continue to do what we've been trying to do for the last year, which is building God's work one person at a time. Folks, every single one of you is so important to the Lord. You're so important to me. You're so important to the body. God needs you. You say, why does God need me? God doesn't need me. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And he makes it very clear. God could do whatever he chose to do, but God does ministry through whom? That's right, you, the people, through every single one of us, and we got to continue to do that. Well, let's close with this, the gospel. Moreover, brethren, the apostle Paul said, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures folks everything we do we said it's in the fellowship of the what the fellowship of the gospel the death bell resurrection of jesus christ it's what binds us together as brothers and sisters in the lord folks i I encourage you i encourage you to be part like never before the church that god's love is building i encourage you like never before to reach out to our community i encourage you like never before to reach out to union grove and to yorkville and to kansasville and to racine and the kenosha counties and milwaukee counties and let's keep it going folks the word will be preached here the gospel will be given here people will be loved here god will do his work in hearts here But every single one of us, every single person who's part of this church, every single person who comes to this door, God is asking every single one of us to do our part for the glory of God and for the sake of the gospel. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the dear folks that uh, are are here. And Father, if you will, for a a little bit, I, I agree for those that couldn't be here this morning because we love them, and I know they got to travel, but uh, Father, would you bless them as they're in different parts of uh, the state and the country right now. But Father, for those of us that are here and that can enjoy each other, 